Welcome to The Intelligent Asset, a podcast on digitizing enterprise asset management, developing intelligent interactions, and building systems of intelligence for asset operations. For industry professionals who work in EAM and facilities management across transportation, the public sector, utilities, manufacturing, and large enterprises. We want to tie the global challenges we all share to the world of enterprise asset management and how we can all make change for the better, building a more sustainable collective future. It's brought to you by IBM Engineering Lifecycle Management and IBM Maximo, the world's leading enterprise asset management system. Welcome back to part two of The Intelligent Asset, where we will discuss some of the intergenerational challenges to knowledge transfer in a continuous engineering workforce or engineering workforce. I'm joined by Martin van der Zayden, a digital immigrant, and Guy van der Zayden, a digital native. And picking up from where we left off last time about process improvement, documenting process, and bringing people up to speed on any given engineering and maintenance process. Um, I'm going to start with you, Guy. Um, and ask you what you've noticed around systems and technology evolution and how these have impacted workforce empowerment and knowledge transfer in your experience. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting for me because what I find in uh, defense is that we have a large population of uh, young people, you know, 25 and under, um, bit of a gap where it's a bit more sparse in the middle and then you've got a uh, large experienced workforce as well um, and trying to connect them up is a is a endless challenge I think w- what I've observed is that you put you know the the younger side has all these ideas about um, really capturing information in a really high resolution to a really high level of detail. Um, and, but what that ends up in is is perceived as excessive admin by the um, experienced people, and and they're like, well, why can't I just why can't I just tell you? I've told you. So what more do you want? Um, and that disconnect is is costing us in terms of um, what information people have to work with, and uh, and is really just driving a. Um, Again, the tribal sort of nature of it, which is not good. So yeah, finding it finding a bit of a medium where it's easy to uh, capture that sort of knowledge and transfer it to other people is is what we're trying to do. Um, but at, yeah, at the core of it has to be simplicity. It has to be easy to use. Has to not take time out of your day. And from the point of view of basic training and, and bringing people on board. Um, I imagine even in in the time that you went through uh, onboarding, or I imagine it was officer school, um, you, you would have seen an evolution in, in the teaching method and the, the systems that you use to, to communicate with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I still had the uh, all of the books and printouts from that have been being used since the nineties. Uh, since then, the training organisations come on a long way, and and what they're interested in is uh, you know computer based training, um, simulation, and 
what they want is a person to turn up on board a ship and, and be immediately useful, whereas uh, traditionally it would go through that whole sort of uh, apprentice phase of you, you've got hands, you can use them, that's about all you're qualified for. Um, and over a long period of time, you sort of build up that competence and knowledge. But now the expectation is that you turn up and you're useful. There's no substitute for, for you know, hands-on learning, I think. I don't think we'll ever fully get away from on-the-job training, uh, and nor should we, I don't think. But uh, there's definitely a drive to have people turn up much more prepared. Yeah, Martin, in the previous episode, you described your experience of, of being a young apprentice engineer um, from a, a tool set standpoint. What what observations of or what evolution have you seen over the years in terms of the differences in approach to, to training? Or are the principles that you experience just as valid today? Well, I'd always say they're just as valid. Uh, otherwise, that would be to invalidate myself. But uh, I th- they're different. You know, they're just very different. And it's interesting. In, in my uh, engineering degree was you know, decades before guys. And yet, in some ways, the, the apart from the fact that I, you know, I was looking at uh, valves and, and the beginning of solid-state electronics and, and and he was looking at software and, and integrated circuits, the, uh, the, the, the premises of engineering, the whole conservatism, uh, root cause analysis, maths and science base, you know, still remains, and, and the focus on people is, I, I think, still, uh, you know, how people learn, how people absorb knowledge, how people uh, uh, deliver uh, against their roles. Uh, that part of it really hasn't evolved too much. But you know, so I learned, I learned things um, experientially, which which I think is easier to retain. Certainly easier to retain, you know, for me. And um, you know, I guess it wasn't. I think it was a, 20 years ago, I was in a plant and, and uh, people were going, oh, look, if only we had um, uh, vibration analyzers uh, available, we could work out that, you know, whether those pumps were going to fail. And and I and I grabbed a screwdriver off someone and put it on the bearing and, and put my ear to it and said, sounds fine. And they go, what are you doing? Well, I'm listening to the vibration. And, and you know, it's, it's consistent. And they, they looked at me like it was like it was witchcraft. But that was one of the first things that I was taught. You know, just use the tools at hand. If you don't, if you don't have the flash tools, use the ones you do have uh, and make a stab. Um, and, and so, some of those things uh, I think are lost. Probably rightly so. You know, you don't want to be uh, hanging around plant with screwdrivers against your ears. It's dangerous. And, and, uh, but, and, and, and you know, as your ears change, maybe your understanding of what's good and what's bad changes as well. But the um, uh, the knowledge base, you know, and it wasn't really till I left engineering, and, and you know, one of, one of the reasons I became an engineer was I got tired of being uh, instructed to do things that were dumb, like spending a week hanging off a, a crane, uh, putting a cable, you know, thirty meters in the air when there was a cable tray just above the floor, you know, so above the ground floor. So, so uh, that sort of prompted me to think, oh, well, maybe there is more to design. Maybe we can think about what we're doing rather than just do it. And but then when I entered the IT sector, it changed again, and suddenly uh, there was much more of a focus on data and process. 
still not not necessarily on people. You know, I think we we thought that we had to uh, uh, we put these systems in that were great systems that are rich with data and rich with features. And we just needed to train people exhaustively to use them, and then then their jobs would get better. And in you know in a decade and a half, we've completely turned around, trying to simplify the system so that the users don't even have to think about them. That the the that it supports their role rather than them having to support the system. Um, so you know it, everything evolves, and 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 when you put yourself closer to the user base and further away from the design. Uh, you re- you know you realize where the complexities really dwell. It's easy to write a standard. Uh, it's easy to publish a standard. It's really hard to get everybody to use the standard in a consistent way to achieve a, a consistent outcome. And it's really hard to work out when and if uh, the the output needs to be improved. Which of course the and the answer to that is is continuously. You know today's best idea is tomorrow's worst idea, and we're looking for an improvement on it. Yeah, picking up on that theme, Guy, from a training and quality and actually compliance and perhaps discipline standpoint, you know, what are some of the, the common mistakes or misconceptions you've encountered from an intergenerational perspective? So, in other words, at the hands of digital immigrants, what what have you seen that they kind of perhaps misunderstand about digital natives i'm really interested in this answer <laughs> I, I think what <laughs> no i often old hear, threat there <laughs> <laughs> what i often hear is that uh is this idea that there's this miracle system out there that you put enough information into and it comes back with the solution to whatever your problem is it doesn't exist oh, it, it just doesn't you know the there's so many layers of um, of assurance, um, compliance, you know, technical compliance, uh, health and safety compliance uh, on any bit of engineering that we do now. Um, that it's really complex for one person or you know a small team of people to actually work within. And so, you know, I often get it that oh well, there must be a there's probably a software tool out there that will you know take all that in and tell you what you need to do. Uh, I don't believe it. I think it always enables people, but it doesn't replace people and um, and true engineering in any way. Uh, what I also see is is that uh, there's if you're getting a you know semi automatic report uh, out of any of these systems, I see a lot of people not looking past the surface of what that's saying and and really thinking you know is is this data meaningful and and uh, how was it collected does it reflect reality uh, there's a lot of tr- over trust I think in um, in the IT solutions that we use and I guess if we turn that question around Martin um, what insights of digital natives provided you that have improved quality standards and compliance my um, my enduring understanding of uh, digital natives. Uh, I mean, I have a great deal of respect for their uh, their knowledge, the um, uh, their speed, their you know their mental agility, uh, and their familiarity with uh, with knowledge based tools. 
So the ability to dig into data, the ability to dig into into information uh, and quickly absorb it. Um, I think that the, the, the one thing that challenges every young person, younger person, uh, is uh, it takes a while to build up an experience base that you use for context when interpreting results. And and I think for me this is the uh, this is the uh, the journey the challenge uh, that uh, as digital immigrants I'm not sure I'm entirely comfortable with digital immigrants but but if but I, that is the challenge that we have is to provide somehow find a way of providing enough context uh, to allow uh, that uh, you know the knowledge style knowledge based style to flourish. And, and flourish safely. And I don't think we're going to do it by, by providing a ceiling, by providing uh, you know, more enduring uh, operating practices or rules or manuals. We're going to do it by providing uh, an, uh, our knowledge base, you know, uh, which is accessible. And the way we're going to do that, I think, is by, by being committed to providing you know, mentoring to adding to knowledge bases that are that are curated by digital natives, not not curated by us and provided to digital natives, but are pulled together by digital natives for digital natives, um, and but provide us with the ability to uh, contribute the things that some of the off the off the off the ball things that we know the uh, uh, the early signs of of failure. You know the the, the the prescient knowledge that something is definitely going to go wrong. How do we identify that? Well, sometimes we just feel it. Um, so how do we describe why we feel that? You know, it's, it's those sort of things that we have to try and get into into knowledge bases. And, you know, that get, gets back to artificial intelligence engines and digital twinning uh, and provided as a, not necessarily in an operational context exclusively, but also in a training context. So simulating you know, all the possible things that might and will and have gone wrong. Because that's when I, when I work, you know, in organizations now, uh, you've just got, you know, you've got this mixed pool of people who, who get on, they've got different skills, they're at different ages, they come from different backgrounds. And if they're, as long as they're not teleworking, you know, as long as they're working in the same place, they share that, uh, which is generally fine inside the corporate head office. It's okay within regional offices. Generally okay within uh, workshops and depots, but out in the fields where it gets really skinny, uh, that that sort of multi generational think tank just isn't available. Uh, and I think the other part of it is, is that because we've segmented the way that uh, most services are delivered, like in Defence Force, there are contractors and utilities, there are you know utility service providers. You've got asset owners, uh, you've got customers at one end. Uh, regulators at the other end, asset owners and a, and a bunch of consulting and contracting companies in the middle. You've got multiple organizations to deal with. So uh, so providing these context engines to workforces is incredibly important. All right. Yeah, that's something I think about a lot. Um, uh, there's so many... Every major project is cut up into so many parts for uh, you know different subcontractors and different parts of um, of defence even that at the end of it if it doesn't turn out good really everyone can just point at each other and say well I did my part um, 
so providing the trying to give everyone involved the well some context at least and and why they're doing what they're doing why they're being asked what they're being asked is is something i'm very interested in yeah it's it's interesting it's a theme that i've also been thinking about is this concept of over engineering that we seem to be suffering from uh scenarios where as a society, we're probably too well off uh, in terms of the amount of money that is being poured into solving uh, public works problems, uh, you know, traffic systems, etc. That it 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 struck me lately that there is a feeling of stuff just being over-engineered, and and money almost being spent to excess in relation to the benefit that it actually provides. Um, I, I guess I'd be interested in whether either of you have any thoughts on this idea of over-engineering as a concept that is a, is a challenge. This is what I struggle with. Um, uh, you know, basically, I guess I, I've been trained to be conservative. So uh, put you know put safety uh, uh, allowances in and then put extra allowances on top of those, and so we always over engineer. Um, but do we have to overthink it? You know, once once we've done that, do we do we then need to agonise over every stage of it? You know, a, a lot of what we're um, uh, working on now is predictive failure, and so why, why do things fail, and does it matter? So applying risk factors uh, through the systems, um, applying um, severity and, lo- and probability factors. So what's the risk of it failing and uh, how severe is it if it fails? Yeah. And, and, then, and then make a decision about do we care? And then if you throw in money as well. Uh, so I, I think that's just it is part of the context engine. So uh, severity, risk and cost. Uh, you know, we need we need better ways, and technology is not the issue here. You know, technology is is not the limitation. We've got plenty of technology that can help us evaluate multiple scenarios. Uh, it's the complexity of uh, of um, getting quality data, sufficient quality data, to to drive those uh, those algorithms to make those decisions. But but I think. You know, there are things like if you're going to spend a billion dollars on a on a public project, yes, you have to think about it. Uh, you have to think carefully about the the, the potential for for uh, um, success, what success looks like, what the value of that is, and also the risks along the way. You know, and we, and we know transport projects are famous for this because they can shut down parts of a CBD for they they can shut down. Um, Parts of suburbia, they can change traffic patterns. They can cause incredible social upheaval. So yes, they are. They they do need to have uh, um, consideration and and modelling. Um, it's just a it's a matter of scale. Where do, where do you stop? You know, where, where, how quickly can you fail? And maybe that there's a lesson in that from uh, the way that we're shaping more of our technology. Uh, you know, solution projects now is around just taking bites, taking the the, um, uh, the high profile outcomes, and trying to achieve those first, and there rather than trying to achieve all of the outcomes. Yeah, knowing that knowing that point where you've you've 
done all you reasonably can or reasonably should to you know assure yourselves that what you're doing is the right thing and uh, is compliant, is safe, and it's time to just move on is, is a tough one. It's definitely where I look to um, you know the, the highly experienced engineers I have you know in my organization um, who have lived it before from my perspective and and get their sort of input on have I done enough? Um, I guess we we look at cost slightly differently in the public sector. Um, we, in general, want the best solution that we can afford rather than uh, trying to do it the most efficient way. And so if there's still money to do design, then chances are there's going to be a drive to use that. Uh, yeah, knowing when enough is enough and it's time for reality to, uh, to decide if you've done enough, um, something you've got to think about. Okay, and and the last question for you both is really around, you know, how we adapt to unrelenting and exponential um, digital change. Uh, you know, we're in the midst of the biggest transformation uh, that you know, as a society we have experienced and, and the forces of exponential change are substantial. Any any thoughts um, from either of you from from two different perspectives uh, around, you know, adaptation in, in the face of that and then balancing risk, cost and reward? Maybe starting with you, Martin. That's not an inconsequential question uh, or a considerable question. Look, I have one. I have one view on this, and I, and I think we're approaching uh, we're approaching a tipping point, which is characterised by the uh, the workplace you know, having more of him and less of me um, in the in the mix. You know, so more digital natives, more people who are savvy with data, and and I think that tipping point requires. Uh, action uh, in terms of um, uh, role reversals and rebalancing how we drive decision making because um, I, I think at the at the moment uh, you know the the um, uh, the digital immigrants the baby boomers hold in most in most organizations hold a great deal of power and I think it's time that we we use that uh, to change the way that we plan and how we use resources, um, maybe turn it upside down. You know, lack of experience, incredibly intelligent and skilled, but a lack of experience shouldn't preclude you from running a, uh, a thought stream or uh, driving a business project um, and being backed up by the, uh, you know, the, the financial and, conservative risk-based nature of, of uh, other people who might be more senior in the management structure. So I think it, it's time to rebalance organizations to to unleashing the people who have the most uh, capacity to deal with unrelenting change. Okay. Yeah. And I think uh, it is unrelenting, you know, that every, every week something's coming past you, right? Some either new technology that you could use operationally or uh, something to use to enable you to uh, deliver better engineering. Um, I really think passing on these things is as valid an option as 
uh, taking them up because I think for everyone you have to consider the um, you know disruption the the resource required to implement the change um, is the you know is the juice worth the squeeze on all of these and, and for you know eight out of ten times it's probably not um, and really focusing your efforts on the things that are going to deliver you a real change in capability a real change in uh, real improvement in your processes is where you want to be uh, thinking not everything everything will deliver you benefit if you you know implement it right but is it enough is it worthwhile so you're being quite judicious about what you choose to take up and what you choose to let go I guess for for me to chime in on on that one of the things that I, I, I I'm picking up on from from both of you is the importance of stories and storytelling in the knowledge transfer process because stories are how you uh, transfer experience and experiences from one generation to another. Um, and I mean, let's face it, it is the principal way in which we we learn from a very early age is through storytelling. And so that would be something that I would um, uh, throw into the mix here. Um, engineers tend to be very process-oriented. Uh, storytelling, I think, has a, a particular... Uh, value here in terms of enabling some of that knowledge and experience transfer. And maybe that's what our digital twins are, what our, our, our context engine base is a, is a series of stories that, uh, that portray outcomes based on circumstance, situation. Guy, any last word? Yep, it's all about, it's all people-based, right, whatever technologies involved I think it always comes back to people so um, I don't know that there's ever a replacement or should be a replacement for those sort of stories um, I know that I've learned heaps from the really experienced people around me um, just through them telling me about their the previous experiences and you know even though it was a different era uh, when they last did these things it's I've found it still very relevant today Excellent. I think we will leave things there. Thank you both, uh, Guy and Martin, for your insight and, and wisdom. Uh, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in to The Intelligent Asset. For more on getting the most out of the world's leading asset management system, IBM Maximo, check out certasolutions.com.